Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined as ever by David Jeremiah Hartrick. How are you doing, David? Jeremiah's probably a better middle name than I've actually got, <laughs> so your attempt at banter has fallen short, sir. Yeah, that's fair enough, but you know who didn't fall short was Huddersfield Town on Saturday afternoon. Huddersfield <laughs> pivot, what a segue. pivot into the podcast. Huddersfield Town 2, Birmingham City 1, and... They went behind after six minutes, and you're thinking, oh, all that, all that goodwill, all the build-up, all the big response that Neil Warnock's got um, might have gone out the window straight away. But um, much, much better performance. I think it's fair to say a lot more fight, a lot more directness. They got back and uh, came from behind and and won two one. They had to ride the look a little bit at times. Uh, Troy Deeney missed a sitter. Birmingham hit the post. Uh, there's a great save from Nick Blockpitch uh, from a header. I think it was Trusty. Uh, but on the other hand, Town also hit the post. Had a penalty shout turned down that was a, a pretty much a definite penalty. Um, yeah. And I think it's difficult to deny they deserved the three points in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that first goal... The, the Birmingham goal, I still haven't uh, seen an angle that conclusively proves whether it was on or offside. I think it was probably, let's call it, just on because things worked out in the end. But <laughs> it just felt different on Saturday. Before kick-off, it felt different. You know, it was, nice to, it was nice to have the stadium bouncing again and it was nice to have a level of anticipation. I mean, we, we sit in the, the press box and as many people will know, the director's box is sort of the director's seats, I should say, sort of directly in front of us. And this this is not a disparaging comment to them or anything like that, but usually they all roll out literally as the teams are coming out, don't they? So it's quite empty until basically the toss is being done. Everybody was in their seat with 10 minutes to go, weren't they? Yeah, we, I mean, we went out early <laughs> just to make sure we soaked in the atmosphere, so can't really blame them for mm. doing the same. I think there was a degree of anticipation there, and they, they lived up to it. I, I think... Before we move on to the game itself, I do think that is important, that having that little bit of feel-good factor. Because, oh, yeah. God, I mean, if, if Mark Fotheringham was still there... <laughs> They've had none. Yeah. They've had none this season. None. No. And I think that change coming... I think they I think they probably did it too late still, but I think if they had left it any longer, it would have been sort of full-on full on anarchy. Um, so getting Neil Warnock in, particularly before coming in for a home game, obviously he couldn't make it to the Stoke game um, because he was he was still in America. We, we haven't really talked about the Stoke game, actually, have we, on this podcast? But best not to. I think, <laughs> I mean, suffice to say it was their worst performance this season, I think, or, or certainly sort of bottom three. And By, um, it's, Steve, it's the worst performance I've seen under any town manager in the last... Like uh, I don't know, maybe the last five years. Yeah, it was it was it was pitiful. It really was absolutely pitiful. But I think we're gonna not dwell on it just because it was under Narcis Pelak, it was under caretaker charge. Neil Warnock's come in. He'll have different ideas. He'll have different. I mean, we've seen he made seven changes to that starting lineup. Um, change of shape. Everything's going to be different. So. I think there's very little to be gained from us sitting and, and analysing that Stoke game other than to say it was absolutely abysmal. But, um, you know, against Birmingham, 
you it was it was very Neil Warnock wasn't it I think uh, it's quite funny that that they scored, scored a goal uh, one a counter attack from from a Birmingham corner and the other one is an assist to the goalkeeper feels very Neil Warnock but I think that's sort of you know a, a very simplified version of what Neil Warnock's football is I think you could see everyone knew what their tasks were everyone was working incredibly hard and to be fair we have said pre- plenty of times this season that the town have been working incredibly hard but i think the work on the ball in particular there was a, a marked difference yeah definitely the the i haven't looked up the stats actually i um in t- the the forward passing stat i wanted to but i would i would imagine their forward passing was was well up there uh, in that game 12 shots on goal all taken from within the penalty area which is very very unusual because it's usually one man on top so town have quite a few shots from outside the area speculative efforts and seven on target which is the most I think by my reckoning they've managed this season which which tells a lot really and I think it's we were joking about it after Steve but sometimes it is a simple game you know you get get more men in the box move the ball forward quicker overlaps simple passing yeah you know it was it was little things that made a big difference but everything came together on the day they have you know let's not pretend they've got to do a little bit more going forward but it was uh yeah it, it was it was just it was a lovely day really on a on a on a few levels that and the goals were both absolutely superb and yeah you know there's a lot of feel good factor for once yeah, I think there's um, the, the forward passing. I'm just looking at it now, and actually, in terms of progressive distance, it's actually very low. It's one of the the lowest games they've had for for, for short passes as well. I think there's only one or two, one of which they also won against QPR, that was lower. But the thing that we noticed, and I'm sure you spotted this as well, Dave. I was sitting with Dom House and um, my editor, my boss, and he we we were watching Warnock and the instructions he was given and there was one point in the first half where we just saw him having a little word with Joe Hungbo it was I think it was a, a Birmingham corner or a free kick and he just had a little word with Hungbo who was coming back to defend it and went no you stay there you stay on the halfway line and he had those two men up top the, the whole way through and was literally telling them no you stay up here when they were trying to come back and yeah. It's 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 mad that these are such simple little things, but they're things that Town just haven't been doing enough of this season. And you saw that you yeah. know those two goals. It's not a coincidence that 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 after that you then see Joe Hungbo going and and scoring a goal, and that later on you see Jaheim Headley, the left wing back, he's picking it up just outside the Birmingham box off a kick forward from the goalkeeper. You know he was pushed up mm. all the way up as a winger and. You know, Josh Ruffles has been doing that as well this season. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's not like Town have just been sitting in front of their own box all season. But I think there was a lot more intent there on show. Yeah, definitely. One thing, the other thing we noticed was that as soon as they got it at the back, the, the two strikers were on the heels and gone. You know, they were running forward. They were mm-hmm. They were trying to push forward. And it was just... Like there's, that team has been hit with a lot of different tactical things this season across two managers, and I think Warnock did exactly the right thing in trying to keep it simple. You know, like trying to simplify it right down. As I said, going forward, they, he, he's going to have to do a bit more than that. But for that game on that day, just getting more men forward, 
you could see it increase confidence in the players on the pitch as well, Steve. You could see them play in a bit of a different way. You know, there are a few swollen chests and a few people actually willing to, to take people on and, and pay some risk passes. So, yeah, it was it was good stuff. And that, that first goal, it, like, <laughs> the keeper's on his heels and out and wants to get rid of the ball and, and get them going, which is great. Headley has only got one thing in his mind, which is to carry that ball to the halfway line and, and see if they can get the break going. And then Hungwo, when he gets the ball, he, he's... I mean, if he doesn't score, he's getting an absolute mouthful from his teammates. But he's only got one thing on his mind, and it's that level of intent, really, that I think we've we've been missing this season from town. It seems a silly thing to say, but there have been times this season where the keeper gets that corner and he holds on to it and he waits for town to reset, and then he rolls it out to a centre back who plays it to another centre back who who knocks it into Hoggy, who turns round nothing on plays it back to the center back and that's the trigger then for the out ball somewhere and the whole game has reset you know everybody's back in position so it was that that that's was the main difference for me they were they were you know these things are risky you can leave yourself wide open but no risk no reward as far as i'm concerned and yeah they 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 did ride their luck at times but they also carved out load chances and you know we had we had more than one man in the box for crosses and yeah it was good it was good yeah it, i think we've seen for quite a long time now town have looked very focused on their defensive shape their defensive organization yeah we know that neil warnick is massive on that as well you know he's not going to be a, sh- a shrinking violet about letting players know if he if they're not picking up their men, if they're not doing their jobs, if they're not in the right place. But it was nice to hear a, a manager talking about st- having said to the players, I just want you to try stuff. And if it doesn't work, you can try and beat your man and you don't get past him. I'm not going to have a go at you. Like, And it, yeah. it just it looked like a team that hadn't been told that all season and suddenly got that mm. instruction and were like, oh, okay, let's have a go then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but I thought everyone raised their game considerably. I think it's fair to say. Well, they had they had to because I think again you you can't say this without damning the people that have gone before. But you could just feel a, a sort of ratcheting up of the standard. You could see that the the bar had moved from where it was. It had gone up a couple of feet, and it was in his press conference afterwards you know he was he was talking about simpson you know getting caught offside and how angry it made him because he felt it were lazy he called you know he was calling players out directly he he spoke about tom lees earlier in the week and then called him mr reliable in the presser you got to understand he it's not that he doesn't really care but there's nothing else he can do other than roll the dice a bit and he's just going to do what he wants here because they were <laughs> he's come in in a, in like a not an impossible position, but if you look at Town's fixtures and the form they've been in and everything else, it's still a huge ask for them not to be relegated this season, Steve. You know, we both know that. So he's come in and he's just sort of said, this is what I expect. And if you don't do it, you won't be in the side, you know. And like, I was really pleased with that starting eleven. I was really pleased there were seven changes because I felt that it's exactly what it needed because it's a mental thing at this point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the only way you can sort of relieve that is just to completely change things and do something fresh and do something different so yeah just felt the bar had moved up 
he obviously comes in and commands instant respect as well. He's not going to win anyone over, which I think is a big thing. You know, let's let's be honest. These are these are human beings, and we've all had bosses who have walked in the room, Steve, and we've all thought, mm, not sure about this. If Neil Warnock walks in the room, you go, okay, I'm going to have to do what I'm told now, aren't I? <laughs> so I think there was a bit of that as well. I think there's a, a willingness to do what they're told. I mean, I think we didn't really talk about this on the day but you, you you had two arguably three players who were playing out of position in that lineup you had Matt Lowton at, on the left side of a back three you had David Kasumu at right wing back and you had Joseph Hunkbow up top and I know he has he has played there before but I think normally when he's played central it's been more of a um, a 10 rather than a centre forward uh, not to mention they had Nicholas Block pitching goal and we'll talk about him in a bit uh, and the goalkeeping situation but you know I, it was interesting, I thought, that Warnock was talking before the game and after the game, to be honest, about the experience in the side. That is one of the younger lineups that Town have had this season. And I thought the players that particularly shone were the kids. It was I, I thought Helic had an excellent game, actually. But Belokopic, Headley and Hungbo were, were the, three, the three standouts, I thought. Um, Danny Ward not far behind either. I thought he was excellent. Mm. Um, but... <laughs> They've got that. It's it's. This is what we've been talking about all season. That they have been underperforming, and that there is a squad there that can do something because they do have those experienced players like Jonathan Hogg and Tom Lees and Mahal Hellick. But they also have the energy, enthusiasm, and talent. Let's be honest of of players like Etienne Kamara, Nick Belokopic, and Jaheim Headley to call from call on from the B team. Not to mention, you know, Tyree Simpson who came off the bench and I don't think he actually really did anything with the ball, but he got the crowd up at a time where I think they needed it. Mm. You know, that they it could have got particularly when you had twelve minutes of added time, I think it would have been very easy for the tension to set in and, and town to sort of drop back again and fall back into old habits. But I I've been, let's be honest, privately a bit disparaging about the reaction to Simpson because um, it's like, oh, but, you know, I, I know he's gone past the defenders, but he hasn't actually done anything with it. But thinking about it, it's like, actually, but I think that is important to see that you've still got that intent, even if it doesn't come off, to see that you've got a centre-forward who is determined to bust along and make up 10 yards on a centre-back and get onto a loose ball. I think, particularly at home, it, it gives everyone the right idea and the right lift, doesn't it? Yeah, that it was the word I used before. Intent is a big thing, and I think... Huddersfield Town have been so easy to play against for so long that it's about time they started asking some different questions and and attacking in a different way and using some different lines. And I think that when you've got a set of strikers like they have as well, who all do massively different things, it was clear from after the press conference after that if Danny Ward's fit, Danny Ward is going to play every game under Neil Warnock. But to have those options to bring in where you've got Jordan Rhodes as a poacher, you've got Simpson who is can come in and do a certain thing pretty well. Um, and obviously, he, if there's anyone capable of bullying a defender, it's it's him. So, yeah, I, I think he'll use... I, I just think... I think what you'll see now is just a willingness to try things. Because, like I said, I don't think it's that Warnock doesn't care, but it's that it, it's, a, it's a slightly... <laughs> it's still a very difficult position to be in so why not you know why not make seven changes why not play a winger up front with Danny Ward why not try Matt Lowton as a third centre back when you know 
how much experience he's got. Why not trust a fit keeper over one whose fitness you're not 100% on? You know, the, these are the sort of calls that I fully expect him to keep making. And the other thing is, I think if you put in a performance like Jaheim Headley did, I think you will stay in that side. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to you have to play at the top of the game to stay in that side now. I don't think anybody's place is assured. Not even Hoggies, I don't, I don't think, is completely assured. And that makes a big difference as well. Again, it's just that little... It's that raising of the standard. It's that, that raising of the bar. And I think when we were talking about Town have done the only thing they could do on the last podcast by appointing Neil Warnock, that... that <laughs> That's the thing you can't get with somebody who isn't Neil Warnock, isn't it? You can't get that reaction to, you know, no offence to him, but Narciss taking over and getting the job longer term. He wouldn't get that reaction and that that lift. So, yeah, it's interesting times. Yeah, It's very interesting times. And, I mean, God knows we've not been able to say that much this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that press conference on Thursday was, uh, was, was great entertainment, as I'm sure everyone went and watched it i I know our live blog did did great numbers um but um yeah i think as well that obviously the benefit you get with the experience you know how to deal with situations you know how to deal with players there's a reason that neil warnock has stayed relevant while other managers have sort of fallen by the wayside of of his generation even younger let's be honest um have sort of faded into obsolescence and he has stayed relevant because he knows how to to talk to players. He knows the game. He he still studies the game. You know, he talked in that presser about, and he's obviously stayed up to date because he talked about his admiration for Wenger, then his yeah. admiration for Mourinho, then and now his admiration for for Pep Guardiola. He's not someone who's trying to play football like it's nineteen seventy eight still, but I think there is a degree of of common sense and trust. And like, I think the, the I think the previous managers Town have had all of them. Um, going back to oh god I'm not even sure maybe Wagner they've all been overthinkers I think you know Carlos certainly was yeah. um, and yeah. and turned that to his turned that from a, a, a from a detriment to a, his great positive last season but you know he, he obviously thought very deeply and and a lot about things and in his first season I think that created some odd decisions Fotheringham made some odd selections Cowley we know was a, a massive over planner at times and and sometimes the more time he had on a game um the weaker it was you know whereas warnock he, he can come in and just go well you know helic and ward are you are you willing to play yeah all right well let's play you then <laughs> you know let's not worry about the injuries or, or what might happen next time or what your fitness is let's just stick you on the pitch and see what you can do because you're you're two of our best players he said danny ward is their best player which isn't surprising. He's had him. At, this is the third club he's had him at. He obviously is a big admirer. Yeah, and you can totally see why because Danny Ward. I mean, Oof. we've de- we've defended him a hell of a lot, but he is he's a very selfless player. You know, we've described him as a wasp before because he does a hell of a lot of work in closing that defence down, trying to stop channels, trying to stop easy outs, etc. He. He's just he's just a very Neil Warnock player, isn't he? You know, he, he he's quite a sort of heart on his sleeve footballer who who leaves everything he can out there, and that is very much Warnock's. Uh, <laughs> that's playing into his hands, isn't it? Yeah, somewhat. So I I wasn't surprised by that really, and yeah, I I, I think the, the other thing I think he's just very very clever at Steve is like 
his press conference when he came in was really really good speak when he spoke after the game he was really really good in in that me and you both know we've been doing this long enough and other people in that room have as well by <laughs> you've got lots of years on us but they we all knew in that room that lots of those answers he were giving to questions they weren't for us they're they're for the fans yeah you know he's talking basically directly to the fans and again you're only getting that from somebody who has the confidence to do it, you know, to to be that relaxed and and to want to want to get his gospel out, you know, in that fashion. And those that these are the little sort of things that could make or break the rest of the season, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, there's so much to there, there's so much to take in on Saturday, wasn't there? <laughs> Yeah, I think Danny Ward bears further discussion because he was he was I think the most surprising selection for me because we were told he was a little way off. I think Helic we sort of got the vibe, but look a bit. I mean, it was obvious that Vatchlik wasn't one hundred percent, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think he left his touchline um, against Stoke. He didn't come for anything. Um, and obviously those those that video doing the rounds that I still haven't seen, but I'm told about it. Um, so. But but I think Danny Ward was was the big surprise. But I think he, particularly this style of football, he's. I I, I agree with Warnock. I, I don't know if he's their best player, as Warnock put it. But I think he could be their most important because I don't think they have anyone who is better playing with their back to goal in that centre forward role. No. And on his day, I don't think they have a better finisher. There's actually not many better. F- <sighs> Where on Dan- when Danny Ward is on form, there aren't many strikers more clinical in the championship. And the, the stats from last season. Yeah. And from his time at Cardiff, will will back me up on that. Um, I think he could be the, huge in this this final run. And the and the difference is, I think he's going to get chances. Yes, he's going to get actual proper chances, which is it's not something many of those strikers have had this season. And um, yeah, I, the the other thing is about Danny Ward is like we just like him a lot, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> he we've always liked him because. He he does so much work off the ball that even when he's struggling on the ball a little bit, he's still contributing a lot. Yeah. And when you saw him, I I was slightly nervous. I had there is a world where the referee's signalling to the side twenty minutes in that Town have got to make a sub, you know, because his 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 hammy is gone or something like that. It wasn't just how well he played, which was really really well. It was just the the yeah. Just the, the the shift he put in, his touch, his willingness to battle uh, and try and get out of impossible situations. It was just, yeah, it was it was it was it, like the, uh, we saw his best football last season, but he played in a very different way to that. But we, yeah, I, I you're exactly right. I think he could be the key player of the running because if he goes on a run now, Steve, and gets, I don't know, seven or eight goals. That that would be absolutely huge. That would be absolutely massive. You know, a huge step towards towards uh, safety. So yeah, he looked like a player who was enjoying himself as well, and and he hadn't looked like that much yeah. this season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's a few in that boat. Obviously, Jaheim Headley. We need to talk about you and I have had a, an eye on him for for a while in the B team. Uh, when I went mm. to see him play for Harrogate, and he he was the star of the show there. The way that the local press talked about him at, at Harrogate and the fans were all gutted when he got called back. There was an obvious vacancy at, at left back, as we talked about before. I think it, it was pretty inevitable that he was going to get a go at some point. Um, obviously, it was Fotheringham that introduced him to the side, and then Narcissus uh, 
has has put him in from the start and and Warnock's kept that but I think Warnock put it best he, he his defending isn't great but in attack he's he's fantastic you know he, he can be unstoppable at times he's so direct his his running uh his timing the way he can get past people which we saw in in both goals uh, he's I think he needs a bit of help at the back, as we've said, and you could see that in the goal that Birmingham scored. Him and Kamara were, were two on one with the Birmingham player and neither of them actually tackled him, which is what allowed them to... to I think it was Colin, wasn't it, Maxime? Or Colin pulled it back to to uh, Bakunia, who then crossed it for Dini. But <laughs> this has been a problem position for town basically since Yuta Nakayama got injured. And even when Yuta was there, I think he had a few off days. There were lots of very good days for Yuta Nakayama, don't get me wrong. But Headley, I think more than anyone else, made a, a name for himself there. It was the first time he was playing a first-team game in front of his own fans. Same for Belokopic, weirdly, even though it feels like he's played. <laughs> what yeah. was that, his seventh or eighth appearance? Um, but, yeah, I think that's a, definitely a player that the, the town fans can get behind, Jaheim Headley. Yeah, it... <laughs> There's no doubt in defensively he's he's got he's got one or two issues he needs to to look at in his game at iron out. But when he gives you that much going forward, sometimes it's worth the it's worth the sacrifice. And the goal, everything about the goal is great. The run is great. The first goal is the this. gambling. Not yeah, the gambling. Well, no, this is his, his goal, goal. The se- his the, the second, second goal. The the gambling on the ball coming over the defender. The the touch is great. The look across to sell slightly sell the keeper that he's going to put it across goal instead of having taken the shot on, getting the shot in with that accuracy, you know, off the inside of the post there couldn't put it in a in a better position while getting loads just of a, power behind great, it as well. Yeah, just a just a great you know just a great great goal really. And if that was a set, if that was a sort of wing back who had like two hundred and fifty games under his under his belt, you'd think yeah, fair enough, but. To do that in those circumstances was just terrific, and I thought he was good. You know, I, I, as I said, there is no doubt in defensively he mm-hmm. needs to just. I mean, for one thing, he needs to just look over his shoulder every now and then. That would that would help him enormously. But yeah, you know, as I said, when he gives you that much going forward, it's got to be worth persisting, hasn't it? Well, Warnock, Warnock said he basically wants him just playing as a winger, which, yeah. which is the right thing to do with Jaheim Headley. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him. I have seen him score twice where he's picked up the ball in a similar position and come back and found himself, he sort of cut back across the defender so he's ended up more or less on the edge of the penalty area and he's whipped the ball in from there rather than driving forward and hammering it low past the keeper. So when he's in that position, he is he has got a touch of the Josh Caromas about him when he wants to. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just... Obviously, Tom Lee's had a horror show against Stoke. I think it was his his worst performance for Town. Um, responsible for for two of the goals, really. But he put in a much better performance. Great to see Hellick back in the side. But the locker pitch, I think we need to talk about. I mean, we we spoke last month and said, well, he's a young player. He's in a relegation battle. Do you want to put that much pressure on a, a young player who's not played much senior football before this would be if he got a run of starts his first ever sort of proper run of starts um at the very beginning of his career but i think Vatslik, i know that it's evident he was carrying that injury i think obviously as confirmed by the fact that he missed this game through injury um that had him strapped up against stoke um but he's he's not done as well as his billing would suggest i think 
I don't think it is as simple as saying we'll just give it Balokovic till the end of the season. But I do think <laughs> I do think there is a, a debate to be had that I think there is something to think about there. Do you just keep Balokovic in goal until until you until he he can't anymore? Uh, my, like I I do I'm really torn on this because his kicking's absolutely <laughs> rotten. You know, <laughs> like uh, the thing is. He can be really good, and obviously he picks Headley out for that goal, brilliant. <laughs> Distribution-wise, you know, the first goal, he gets on his bike, gets out to the edge of the box and makes the right decision with his throw there. He does make good decisions, but also <sighs> about about a third of the time, he's hammering it into his own defenders' backs, yeah. like he did twice during the game, or he's going ridiculously long with it and it's going out for a throw in or a goal kick. And this is we've seen him do this in B team games plenty as well. It wasn't sort of nerves in front of the home crowd. And the thing is that distribution is mm. a really big thing, whether you're under a, a Fotheringham side or a Warnock side, you know, like you you really where well, you saw the impact it can have. And the problem is he gets the headlines because he has a direct contribution to both goals and he makes the right decision and it's great but there's going to be other games where he doesn't get an assist and a pre-assist <laughs> and and they're the games where you're looking at some of his kicking and some of his distribution you're going if, if he if he got a run in the side he will give away at least one goal by doing that my yeah, uh, yeah. my analogy for it um, I don't know. If you, I don't know if I said this to you or not. So, but my analogy for it was: Do you remember the game Baggio's magical kicks? Yes. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's like cool. it's like he'd got the direction correct and the curve correct, and then had just clicked at random on the trajectory. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's kicking. Yeah, and, and there is a bit of that. It's something he he clearly like needs he needs to work on. I mean, he's a supremely confident keeper. You know, he's very laid back in certain situations you can see he has a supreme confidence in his own ability and I think that's a very good thing yeah. for a goalkeeper I, I love an arrogant keeper because they should be there's no one like them on the pitch so yeah I was I was sort of there, there's loads of aspects I like about his game but you're exactly right if you keep him in goal you're going to have to accept that at some point this season he's probably going to cost you a goal like that but then the flip side is I have seen that video and like I don't think if if Thomas Raslick's knees are that bad I, I don't think they've got any other option yeah <laughs> it's the thing because he like you saw that video and it didn't look great okay it it didn't look great there's no denying that I you can read as much or as little into it as you want. I have seen it, and I thought he clearly looked stiff when he was walking around. But then when we've seen him in goal, we've seen that that hesitance to come off the line, mm. and we've he doesn't seem to have that explosion out to the edge of the six-yard box to claim that ball confidently at the moment, and that suggests to me he is struggling a little bit with, with something. So I don't. I think we're talking about it. I I don't think they've got any choice at the minute, Steve. You know, and unless there's sort of a bit of a miracle recovery and he's all right. Because the other thing about Neil Warnock is I, I think he is. I think he is going to trust his instincts, isn't he? You know. Yeah. We said about Helic and Ward and asking them if they were fit to play, and they said, "Yeah, we want to." I think he will trust his gut, and at the moment, if he's seen 
if he's seen Vastic on video for town so far, I strongly suspect his gut instinct that he's, that he's not quite there and he, he's going to have to just persevere with what he's got for the minute. Yeah, I, I think Belokovic has not let town down yet, to be fair. I think he's looked very composed and in control. I, and as I say, I know that last month I wrote and said he's not, you know, do you want to, to throw a youngster into this situation? But I sort of think there's a growing amount of evidence that he is ready for it to be honest yeah it's it, it's just, there's also you got you got to look at temperament and he's yeah, exactly. got the temperament to cope with it because he is just supremely confident and whereas you look at again i'm not i'm not I, I I I don't want it to feel like this is insulting, but when you looked at Ryan Schofield and mm. what happened and how mentally he struggled with it, you can see the difference between the two quite clearly. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly his shirt for Burnley, if nowhere else. Yeah, Burnley is, I think Warnock is right, a free hit. I don't think anyone's going into that game with any expectations. That is not... The game that's going to keep, that's going to relegate Town. Obviously, if they get something out of it, then then those points are fantastic, and it's and it's an unexpected bonus, isn't it? Really, but I think probably mm. best to approach that game with with <laughs> no real expectations because Burnley have just looked pretty much from day. Well, we know from day one because Town played them on day one. Have just looked head and shoulders above any anyone else in that division. The, the league table shows it. Um, you know they're unbeaten in twelve. Yeah, to put Burnley's context over the season so far, season into context so far, Luton are fourth, and points-wise, they're closer to bottom than they are to Burnley at top. <laughs> yeah, so they are absolutely racing away with it. You know, call it now, <laughs> promote them now. So promote them now and maybe drop Leeds down. I don't know, just a <laughs> suggestion. Sure, town fans wouldn't agree with that. But it's after that. It's two more home games, and I I do think that is that is where this. I mean, we've yeah we've yeah, yeah. we've already said it about the Blackpool Wigan games. Um, that that was where the season would live or die, and that is, those results are why they're still in the bottom three, still in the very very much in the thick of the, that relegation battle. They wouldn't be free and clear if they'd won those two games. But I mean, that you'd feel a hell of a lot more confident than you do at the moment. Um, but um, you know they've got those two games, Coventry and Bristol City, both unfortunately in in sort of quite decent form at the moment. Um, Coventry have had back to back wins, and Bristol City, you know they've they've not lost for how many games is that? That's eight games. So they're tough, but they are at home. They are against teams mid table sides who it increasingly looks like are probably going to have nothing to play for. Coventry will still be hoping to to close the gap on the playoffs, and they do have the easiest fixture list in their division. Unfortunately, Town have the hardest. But Mm. getting something out of those games, I mean, Town probably needs six more wins. They probably need to win at least one of those two. I don't think it's a problem about it, Steve. I think... (laughs) I mean... some would make the argument that they've got to win both, mm. which is a like a, it's a huge ask. But I think it's also realistic. Warnock's come in, and like we don't want to sort of dampen anybody's enthusiasm or anything like that. But it's still a massive job, yeah. a huge, huge job. And Birmingham, it should be noted that although they had their moments, I think they're rotten. Birmingham, <laughs> I think they're an awful side. So. There are bigger tests to come. We'll see, you know. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. 
at the moment we've got such a small sample size that we're all we we were excited and we saw a lot in it and the club feels very different now you know speaking to people at the club they they feel different you can see uh, it's just a better place to be right now and Burnley is a free hit but yeah those two home games definitely aren't and they've lost unfortunately they've lost so many games this season there aren't really any more free hits to say the very very least so yeah um big ass big ass we will see we'll see i i honestly can't call it at the minute it the flip side is if they go and win those two games i think they could be in a really good position to pull themselves out of it steve yeah you know mentally and everything else i think they really could be in a good place so yeah huge huge fortnight ahead i think more than anything else at the moment i mean who knows how this season is going to go but i think that win and, and Warnock's arrival at least will have some people wondering if it's possible where I I think after Stoke after Stoke or, or after would, Wigan definitely after Wigan definitely between Wigan, the Wigan yeah. game and Warnock's announcement I think people were thinking they were they were dead and buried at that point um, there is at least a, a scintilla of, of hope for them now um, but it is, as you say, a massive job. I think this isn't being wise after the fact. I think the the Birmingham game on paper was the easiest of the games that that Warnock had. When yeah. you take home and away advantage and and what's on the line um, into account, but yeah, they've got a very uh, a very very tricky run. As I say, it's the hardest fixture list in the entire division. I think the flip side of that one one is something Tom Lee said, which is. You might be playing teams. Some of those teams, some of those games that look challenging now, when you get to later in the season, some of those teams might have nothing to play for. Um, yeah. Sheffield United might yeah. have already been promoted. So, you know, Swansea probably will have nothing to play for. Blackburn might be have dropped well and truly out of the playoff race and have no chance of getting back in. So, etc. etc. So the list goes on. So that is one thing. Um, I, I think they've shown a lot of fight. Town are actually quite good at, at coming from behind this season, which. I know it doesn't feel like it when you've you've seen limp responses and the number of times heads have gone down mm. against like like they did against Stoke and Wigan, but when you compare them to the relegation rivals, that you know they've they've taken quite a few points from losing positions this season. Town, um, mm. they've had you know this is a win they've had against Birmingham. They've come from behind against Preston. They've come from behind against QPR. Um, they've taken 11 points from losing positions and that is that is better than, than most of the rivals down there. And the other thing is the way that the, the fixture list shapes out. Town having that tough run in. One, the other teams around them actually don't have very much easier fixture lists. Um, certainly Rotherham have a very, and, and I think Wigan it was, have two of the next hardest. Um, mm-hmm. And they also, a lot of them have to play each other. So they're going to take points off each other. And I think that as much as anything Town do, and obviously Town need to get the points themselves, that this is completely academic if they don't. But their fate could be decided as much by those games between the other teams around them as they are from, from their own results. Because if, if one of the teams gets on a good run in that little mini league, it could, could do for them. If they all draw e- against each other, it might sit quite nicely for them. So, yeah. Yeah see how it goes i suppose but little something to hold on to at least now yeah well that's it we don't want to we're we're not here this week to dampen anyone's buzz are we we're not captain buzzkill but it's it's it was a lot of fun and i think as you said at the top that's something that's been in pretty short supply this season 
here's hoping they can carry that on a little bit and keep that keep that feeling going a little bit as well um but it would be lovely to think we're sitting here in a month's time talking about a team who've got a real real chance of of pulling away and you know everything's rosy but I just literally can't call it can't call it at the moment well in a month's time we'll be going into a two week international break and I think we'll we'll have a pretty good idea at that point whether they are serious yeah. or not won't we yeah I completely agree at that certainly at that point if uh, I mean even worst case scenario if they're not within touching distance then they're probably toast at that point so yeah big time big time what's your musical recommendation for us Dave uh, so I am strongly of the opinion that one of the greatest pieces of dance music of all time is Rock the House by Tall Paul and my actual favourite piece of dance music of all time is Voodoo Ray by a guy called Gerald so put the two together and what do you have Steve and that is Tall Paul's version of Voodoo Ray he's had to re-record the vocal because there's a load of rights issues a guy called Gerald doesn't own the uh, original anymore so he's had to uh He's had to tinker with it. It's quite poppy, but it I, it just takes me back to a time and a place, and I'm more than happy to be there, son. Lovely. Sorry, uh, musical rights. It's absolutely scintillating stuff. Uh, I've got uh, Soccer Mommy, the album Sometimes Forever, which came out last year. Lovely little album. Uh, she's supporting the National Day this year. I'm sure one or two of our listeners are going to go and see the National on tour. They're a, they're a big band, aren't they? Um, yes, but they're big. Do you know what they're, everybody loves the national for? Go on. Their song "England," which was the soundtrack to the single greatest montage of all time, the Columbia Penalties montage. In fact, that's a good an excuse to tweet it at some point. So as soon as this podcast goes out, I will tweet the greatest montage of all time and the night that made me cry. There we go. We'll leave it there. Thank you uh, for listening. I'm on holiday for the rest of the week, but I'll be back at the Burnley game. Dave, thanks for joining us as well. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you there.